Hey all, welcome back to the Fire and Water Cooking Podcast. I'm Darren, and today we have a couple great guests. We have Chef Candace Connolly and Natalia Bajic. They are from The Girl Can Cook Cooking Studio, and also they have a podcast called Not a Single Fork. I'll be right back with Candace and Natalia, and we'll talk about how they got started and what they do. I'll be right back. Smoking, grilling, getting hot and hotter, sous vide and chilling. Hey all, I want to introduce you to a company I just started working with, Fresh Jack's Organic Spices out of Jacksonville, Florida. They're a small, family-run company that's fast-growing. I've tried a bunch of their different seasoning blends and spices, and I can tell you they're all fresh. All organic. None of them contain artificial flavors or sweeteners. None of them have anti-caking agents or preservatives. They all taste like they were just made for you yesterday. Check them out, guys. They're on Amazon in the link below. They have different sample packs, different blends. Like I said, they also have the individual seasonings and spices as well. Fresh Jack's Organic Spices. Check them out, guys. I love them. Welcome back to the Fire and Water Cooking Podcast. I'm Darren. I'm your host, of course. And today I've got a couple great guests. That, uh, very interesting. I, I like to find different uh, people that have different backgrounds that love to cook. And I think I found one with uh, Candace Connolly and Natalia Banjik. Banjik? Is it Banjik? Banjak, yes. Banjak. Okay. Uh, they run the girl, the girl can cook cooking school and they're right, right outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And they also have their own podcast called not a single fork. Welcome Candace. Go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us who you guys are and what you do. Well, hi Darren. Thanks for having us. Um, I'm Candace. I'm a chef. I'm, I'm the chef, although most people think Natalia is one as well. This is my trusty sidekick, Natalia Banjak. Uh, we've been working together for over 12, 12 years. 12. Yeah. It's actually over 12 years, probably 14 years. Yeah. yeah. Um, because we we worked together before we started the cooking classes. Um, yeah. So we have a cooking studio and catering kitchen in Broken Arrow, which is a suburb of Tulsa. Um, we've been here for almost seven years and we were in Tulsa proper for almost five. So we've been, we've been teaching cooking for a long time. That's awesome. I I like Tulsa because it's home of one of my favorite grills, the hasty bake. So did you guys ever, did you guys ever have any experience with the hasty bakes or do you go down by the store there? I've eaten a lot of things. Yeah. Whenever we go over there and they grill and they do stuff outside and it's on a hasty bake and it's delicious. Yeah. I have one on my backyard here that, uh, I got sent from them to do some uh, videos and stuff on, but I really love it. I, when you once you get outside of that area, though, you, people don't really know who they are, but they've been around since the '40s, and it's an amazing grill. Right. I love it, right. and uh, it's a very iconic looking grill. But um, they're they're growing uh, some of the stuff that they have built into that grill that's you know been around for so long. And some of the other grilling companies are starting to incorporate. So Tulsa is your hometown. Then uh, I'm taking that's where you kind of were born and raised, or. I was born and raised in Tulsa, uh, left like, like most people do because it's, you know, it's a relatively small town in Oklahoma and you have to go see what else is out there. Now, I can't speak for Natalia. She is not from Tulsa. I'm not. I um, 
I'm born and raised in England. I'm British. I know you can't tell. My um, family uh, is Serbian, so I didn't grow up with a typical English culture, uh, English food, thank God. Um, although the, the takeout food is delicious, the Indian food, the Chinese food, the you know, the English food sometimes, some of it I love, but some of it is kind of bland. So we grew up with a lot of Serbian food, Serbian influences. Then uh, moved. She's, she's much more interesting than I am. No, that's not she, <laughs> she has a, she she has a she's been around the block she's, a few times. Her nickname is Gypsy. Yeah, my friends yeah. call me Gypsy. So, there you go. so, so you've all said you said you've been working about 15 years together now? It's probably pretty close to that. Yeah, we've been doing this for 12, and then we met uh, in the restaurant business. So, gotcha. So, Ed, I'm Candace, sorry. Uh, Candace, you got an interesting story. So, I like to have <laughs> I like to have some people that have different backgrounds and some of the people that I thought maybe had culinary backgrounds to start out with like Kenji Lopez Alt he 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 didn't even study in culinary school he went to you know school to, for architecture and then worked in a restaurant and fell in love with it and that's how he got into cooking so I hear that you actually have a PhD in in uh, psychology is that what you have I have a PhD in clinical psychology yeah yeah, I worked as a psychologist for about, well, almost 15 years. And it's one of those things where, and, and we talk about this all the time, not necessarily about psychology, but what happens is I get bored. And so I'm like, well, what can I do now? And so I always cooked. My mom was an amazing cook. And uh, so, but she wasn't a good teacher. She, she was one of those that just, you know, shut up and watch. And I'll show you how to do stuff. And so that's where I started learning about cooking. But it never, I mean, I was a, I was a child of the 70s. So uh, when I graduated from high school and went to college, a degree or going to culinary school was not okay. Especially it was for women. Yeah. And, yeah. and coming from my family definitely was not okay. And so I, I jumped around a lot in majors. I was, I was actually, I was a radio reporter for several years and I, what else did I do? She was, she's not going to say this because she doesn't toot her own horn, but <laughs> she was one of the first female in uh, females in radio in Tulsa. So that's pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. So that was a long time ago, long, long time ago. That's a very cool story. Yeah. Well, yes. And it was interesting and I covered a lot of interesting stories and, but it wasn't where my heart was. It was fun, but it wasn't something that I just, you know, couldn't wait to do. So lots of other things happened. I did go to graduate school. I did get a PhD in clinical psychology and I, I love, I love psychology. It's one of those things that comes naturally to me, kind of like cooking comes naturally to me. And so it was, um, it was an easy thing for me to do. So I did that. And what happens in psychology, especially when you are a PhD psychologist, is you look for ways to what separates you as a psychologist from another therapist. And the thing that separates you is that psychologists, we're trained to, um, not just administer psychological tests, but do the actual interpretation and pull all the tests together and make recommendations for treatment and that sort of thing. 
And so most people aren't really interested in that very much. And so I like to do things that sets things that will set me apart from others so that I'm not just, well, I'm just another psychologist or another therapist. So I did that for a while and um, I, I ran a children's inpatient unit for any number of years. And it was at that point that I, I got pregnant with my first daughter and I said, okay, I'm done. I'm done with psychology. Although I continued doing some private practice because funnily enough, my ex-husband is a psychiatrist. So we were in practice (laughs) together for a while and uh, we're not going and we're not going there. (laughs) Okay. That's fine. (laughs) Just FYI. But, um, I did that. And then I also, you know, I did uh, work for, for um, nonprofits. I did groups and things like that. So um, I did, I continued to keep my finger in it, but then uh, my family is one of those where they like to do a bunch of, um, they're always, they've got their fingers in everything. And I come from a background of, even though, Culinary school wasn't something that would have been acceptable when I was graduating from high school. I come from a family of very strong women, and my mother was uh, in, in business because my father died and left for the business, and she had to take care of it. So she did, mm-hmm. uh, but she wasn't she wasn't big on women in business. She, this was back in the '60s, and she thought that women should be home. And she just unfortunately couldn't be home. So she set the example for just taking the bull by the horns and going. And so we would end up doing lots of dumb stuff. (laughs) Caught myself. (laughs) And um, yeah. Um, And so one of the things, one of the dumb things that we ended up doing was taking on a failing restaurant because they were at that time I was doing a lot of cooking and I was, I would entertain and people would say, Oh, why don't you have your own restaurant? Why don't you cater? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And I was just like, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't want to get in. I've got little kids. I, I can't get into that business. Well, I end up in the business because my family jumps into it <laughs> and I ended up uh, running. Well, isn't that dumb? <laughs> That's where I came from. Yeah. We met her. Yeah. yeah. But my, um, I, I, I learned how to cook on a line in a restaurant, um, the stress of doing that and getting, getting uh, dishes out. Then I worked also front of the house. Uh, and that's where we met. Natalia came on as bar manager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's a bartender and she ran the whole, she ran all the servers and back of the house staff and that sort of thing. Um, and be, we, we just, just connected. We just clicked. Yeah. Cool. And we just kind of ran the place together. Now, what, what kind of restaurant was that? Was it more of a, a white tablecloth, more of a diner? It was fine, type? Dining. fine dining. It was fine dining, but um, it was American contemporary. And the place where we were located, um, it was all very hip and, and mm. all that jazz. And people who traveled a lot, and they would come through Tulsa. They loved our restaurant, but people in Tulsa weren't ready. We were ahead of the curve, basically. Yeah. 
And so it just wasn't, it, it was doomed. Well, there were a few things against us. I mean, first of all, she had gone in with her family to try to fix this failing restaurant. Then we did our best. Um, there was a lot of construction that happened. Um, then the ice storm, we had a huge ice storm uh, in Tulsa 2007. And then, uh, yeah, we were just like, this is not working. Yeah. This yeah. Isn't working. yeah. So we shut that down. Um, and then, you know, we talked about well, what if we, and we, it was about a year in between shutting that down and opening a ki- the kitchen, right? Yeah. 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 I think it was about a year. So we kind of in that year kind of talked about what we wanted to do next and like what that transition looked like and how we wanted to execute that, where that wanted to go. And because we knew we wanted to do it together because we just did everything together. Well, and one of the things that happened while we still had the restaurant was there was a business next door called the Viking Gallery. And it was run by one of the um, regional uh, appliance businesses. And they had a place in Tulsa. And so this was kind of a satellite for all their Viking appliances. The manager one day, knowing that I came from a teaching background in psychology, she said, well, do you want to try teaching a cooking class? And I said, sure, why not? You know, I, I've never done that, but okay, <laughs> which is what I do. And so um, I it actually turned out to be a cooking demo. I flew by the seat of my pants. I didn't really know what I was doing, Every, but everybody loved the food and loved the way that I taught. So that started me thinking, well, maybe the next step is some kind of teaching for home cooks. And then I would go also go out to the big store to teach because they, it was full of teaching kitchens and still is. They're all demo kitchens too. So then again, while she was in that and doing that, we thought, well, how can, how can we do this and do it better in a different way? Yeah. And because right. they, they're trying to sell their appliances, you know, sure. they're not trying to, that's what they're trying to do. Yeah, exactly. So that's what Candace helped them do. They're not really trying to teach people. They're trying to teach people how to use their products. So they buy right. it. Exactly. Right. And exactly. you continued yeah. doing that for a while. You were a, I was a, um, I was a Thermador, Thermador chef. I represented Thermador and um, ended up with a really great kitchen in my own home, actually, yeah. as a result of that. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I think we stopped it. Well, of course there was the pandemic and then probably, I would say we stopped doing it maybe a couple of years ago. Um, it just kind of it wasn't going anywhere. And the guy who really got me into it, he changed jobs and, you know, things happen like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Then we picked up and the kitchen was kind of born. And uh, what year was that? 2009. Okay. We started the kitchen um, in Tulsa. And it was a small um, old, house. old house. So we had to kind of make do with the space that we had. Um, the, we could only get, what, six to eight to maybe 10 at the most yeah. people in there. Yeah. Um, old plumbing, you know, old. It was cold. Oh, God, it was cold in the winter and hot in the summer. Yeah. And some, <laughs> for some reason, people stuck with us in spite of all that. <laughs> it took a long time. It took a long now, now, let's back up a little bit. Do you have... Did you go to culinary school or did you just strictly learn in the, in the restaurants? No, I did not go to culinary school. I learned in the restaurant. Um, and then I learned, I learned that's from the my best mom. place to learn. That's where I learned. I, I started I when a, I was yeah, younger. I got, good, uh, I got good cooking genes. Yeah. That's where I learned. I, I started, you know, in the restaurant business when I was 16, washing dishes, worked my way into the kitchen and then to the, in the line and all that. But, we strongly believe that's the only way to do it. Yeah. 
but then I, you know, when I got older and had a baby and stuff, I, I really found out that you can't make a whole lot of money in it. <laughs> and yeah. uh, the hours are kind of, you know, off putting. So I went into the banking business, but I always loved to cook. That's where I got my love for cooking was, you know, helping my mom in the kitchen. But then I really loved to cook, but I just knew I couldn't do it as a career. A, I knew I didn't want to open a restaurant because I know I've seen too many of those fail. No matter how good they are, they can run for a year or two and then, you know, something changes and everything goes to heck. So, you know, it's, they're really hard to keep afloat no matter how much you love to cook. <laughs> so, yeah, but uh, I've always, true. I've always loved to cook and I've always done. And that's kind of why I started what I do is because I love showing people how to cook and I love showing people different methods and all that. So it sounds like you, you both have a passion to help people and teach people. So do you use your kitchen for just the, the, the cooking classes or do you lease it out to food trucks or anything like that? When we started out, our idea was that we would, we could do that, rent it to people who, you know, they wanted to start making, you know, something or they had a food truck. Um, We had capabilities to be that. Uh, It didn't work out great. Uh, Tulsa's, I mean, for it's growing, but it's still not, it's not a huge place and you can't really make any money doing that. So we pretty much just do our cooking classes now and cater. Now, when did you started your cooking classes for yourselves after the Thermidor and after the Viking thing? Kind well, of after, away, the Vi- after I worked at the Viking gallery, yeah, we, we shut down the restaurant. We uh, happened upon an old house in Tulsa, in Midtown mm-hmm. Tulsa. We opened the cooking school then and we limped along for about three, three years, five years. We had more than one person. Yeah, we did. That's still good. After five, we were like, we got to have, we got to have more room. We, we got to be able more. to do more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now, the building, I'm sorry, go ahead. How were they successful right off the bat? I mean, did it, was it a slow, slow roll? Or I mean, how many people did you have when you first started doing it? One. <laughs> 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 hey, got to start with somewhere. One, it's one's a good number. One. So, um, yeah, we would do uh, basically very personal two-on-one cooking yes, classes <laughs> for a while. Yeah, yeah. I still had a full-time job. I I had a full-time job up until two years ago. So I'd work during the day, and then I'd run over to the kitchen in the evening. Um, Candace would be there, of course, and we'd do our one-person class. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> so, so, so you started with one. So now how many do you have on a regular basis on an on average class? Um, when, before, uh, before the, the pandemic yeah. shut us down, um, we had, we would have up to 16 in a class. Yeah. Three nights a week. And every night. Every night. Yeah. yeah. And then now do you have different, um, skills that you teach them, you know, you have like the basic skills and then, then you go into specific cuisines and all of that, or how, how do you work your classes? We have, uh, well, we have a class calendar and on the calendar, we have a lot of different cuisines that we teach. So a lot of Italian, um, Mexican, Asian, Spanish, Mediterranean, Mediterranean and then there's a lot of steak and potatoes. Now, how do you work that? Do, do you sign up for just one class or can you sign up for a series of classes? Can you sign up for like a month worth of classes? How do you work that? 
Well, frankly, they can sign up any way they want to, but all of our classes are standalone. User-friendly, if you will, because those out of those 16 people, we don't know if they all come home or if this is their first time holding a knife or if they know what an onion is or, right. you know, so, so I don't want to say it's basic on our classes because it's not, it, but we, we, we're, we're getting different skill levels every evening in every class. So we need all those people to feel comfortable and, and come and confident in what they're doing. So that's kind of how we base each class. Do you have regulars that come to like, you know, one or two classes a month to just keep coming back? We do. We do. do. Yes. So typically we're scheduled Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Our classes are two hours. They're from six to eight. Sometimes we have, we have once a month, we have Friday classes. Um, We have kids classes on Saturday. Um, we don't teach those. We have a chef instructor that teaches those. She's much nicer than us. Um, and um, more warm and fuzzy. Yes. And, um, but we are often surprised at how many classes we go through and we don't know anybody, uh-huh. you know, and there's just all these new people all the time. And it's great. We love that. I mean, obviously it's nice to see our familiar faces, but we're always shocked after 12 years of doing this, that we still get full classes of 16 people. And we don't know anybody. Yeah. Now, how do you, how do you do your marketing? Do you just uh, word of mouth? Do you put it out there on Groupons or how, how do you market? It's mainly word of mouth. We, I've, well, we have Facebook, we have uh, a website. Mm-hmm. Um, we tried, um, not what was it? Oh, it was living social. We didn't, we never did Groupon, but we tried living social. We've tried a lot of different things, but, um, We've just found that word of mouth works best. I've been on, you know, the local news programs doing cooking segments. You did that a lot. I, for a I did. I did that a lot. And then, um, yeah, it's just really. I, you know, we tried uh, magazines. We tried radio. We, you know, and and it just ends up that we've spent a lot of money, and there's no return. return. Hey, all, it's Darren, and I want to take a second to talk to you about the high-powered torches from Grill Blazer, the Grill Gun, and Sous Vide Gun. I was lucky enough to be a part of this project long before it was a Kickstarter, and I love them. If you're looking for something to sear your food within seconds, check out the Sous Vide Gun. If you're looking for a torch to light your grill and have it up and cooking within five minutes, your lump or briquettes, check out the Grill Gun. It can also light outdoor fire pits and your fireplace within minutes. Check it out, guys, at the link below and get 10% off your order. Check out the Grill Gun and the Sous Vide Gun by Grill Blazer. Yeah. So you touched on that. You did some local uh, news shows. How how was that when you first did one of those? Was it something you felt comfortable doing? Was it something you had to work yourself up for? Or was it something natural to you to just kind of? Well, part of my my training when I was in college is I was in theater. So I was, uh, one of the things that I always wanted to do was be an actor, which of course I, the, my mom put the kibosh on that. So, um, that was not happening, but, uh, I spent a lot of time, um, doing it and yeah, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty natural on camera and comfortable. And I, uh, the, the people I've worked with for the most part, um, I can tell if they're generous on camera or if I have to do all the work. And so it's, it's all, it's always been fun. I, frankly, I don't do anything that isn't fun. And 
So if it's fun, I'm there. If it's, it's, if it's not, we say no. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, walking into that, so how did you get, I, I heard you were on a, a Food Network show called the Cooks versus Cons. So how did how did you walk into that that type of deal? They just gave you a email or a shop, give you a call one day or? I pretty still pretty regularly apply for cooking shows. I like to do that. Um, I I have the the dream of one day having my own show, and so any opportunity I have to do a cooking show, I do it. Uh, and to have the opportunity to do a national one was really exciting. I applied and. And I know I understand the whole casting producing process. And for whatever reason, on that particular show, they were looking for someone like me. And so uh, once I submitted my application, then we went through a series of Skype interviews and telephone interviews. And then I was in um, Jersey City, New Jersey, (laughs) in a warehouse taping the show starting at seven o'clock in the morning until after midnight. So um, it's pretty grueling, but it's, I mean, it's exciting and fun and something different. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what was the, what was the episode that you had? What was the the cook? I know they have different kind of like chopped where they give you, you know, the ingredients to kind of work with. So how, how did yours turn out? Um, The, the first, let's see, the the first segment, the first part of the segment, we had to cook what uh, Jeffrey Zakarian told us to cook. So we had to cook with some, uh, we had to do something with chicken, and then we had to use some pineapple thing. So it could be fresh pineapple, it could be pineapple vodka, it could be pineapple dried pineapple. It was just all kinds of pineapple. And you had to take chicken and make something with chicken and pineapple. So that was the first round. I won that round. I made chicken milanese with um, a salsa that incorporated pineapple and bell peppers and that kind of thing. So it was kind of it sort of was Italian Mexican. (laughs) (laughs) And then the second round, you had your choice of what protein you could use, um, but you had to incorporate some type of potato product. So you couldn't use fresh potatoes. So you either had what they called, um, was what do they call tater tots? They were the potato croup. Yeah, mini potato croquettes. They were tater tots. Tater tots. <laughs> yeah, they had dry, fancy name for tater tots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had potato flakes. They had vodka. they had vodka. Yeah. Um, there were a couple other things, and so you had to do whatever you were going to do with your protein and incorporate um, some kind of potato. And so what I made was I went strictly Italian on that one and made. Um, sauteed pork tenderloin with marinara, and then I made what's called a frico, which is traditional to the north in Italy. So it's like, it's a, it's a potato pancake, basically. Mm-hmm. It's a big, thick, yeah. And it's mm-hmm. potato and cheese. Lots very of cheese. Yes, yeah, very cheesy. Yeah. So I lost. <laughs> <laughs> what did you lose to? Is it something uh, that you um, said, I okay, I... 
I should not. I should not have lost. Yeah. Okay. It was. He yeah, did that's that's what you stink. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He um he did something with salmon and potato flakes, and then I think he. I think the reason why they decided that he won was because he used two different kinds of the potato products. I think maybe he used the potato, the vodka, and the flakes. And so anyway, I lost. Oh well. <laughs> But you had Water the experience. The yeah, yeah, exactly. It's fun. It's There's something different to do. And we can tell everybody she's done on Yeah. Ex- exactly. It's an experience. Uh, I've had a couple people on my show that have been on those shows, and they say it's a totally different experience. So um, now talking about that, though, I noticed you don't have any kind of a YouTube uh, presence or channel. I've seen you have some videos on YouTube where you're in them, especially some of the ones from the TV shows. Have you ever thought of doing your own YouTube channel where you're teaching cooking? Cause I, I kind of have my own little channel doing that as well. We do. Uh, well, I guess the short answer is yes, I have thought about it. The long answer is um, I can't keep up with all the social media. Yeah as it is. There is a lot. <laughs> yeah. So I, I would love to have a YouTube channel, but it's just, it's not, uh, it's not in the cards right now. Well, that's kind of the way I started. What I do is I started with a Facebook group to see if it was something I wanted to do. And I got that going and found a lot of interest. And I started doing some YouTube videos. So I kind of had that and I, I kind of stick my hands in a little bit of everything <laughs> and, but I yeah. don't really a hundred percent focus on anything. So I'll have, you know, a little YouTube channel. I got some Instagram. I put up, uh, the Facebook groups. I got a couple different ones. I got the podcast that I do now. And, and I've, what I've found is it's like, I'm sure you found is it's hard to drag somebody from Facebook into YouTube or to, to follow your podcast. They all kind of stay in their own little areas. So, you know, people that are on Facebook, I'll have a couple that might watch my YouTube videos, but most of them will stay over there in the Facebook. And then the ones on YouTube will stay over on YouTube. They don't kind of cross pollinate somehow. So it's kind of weird how it works. Like Instagram, I'll have, you know, 400 followers on Instagram, but I got 50,000 followers on Facebook, which how does that happen? Exactly. And the podcast, let's talk about your podcast. When did you start that? and, And why did you start that? We, I think, is it, has it been two years? I think it'll be two years. Yeah, it was in the, yeah, it was in June. And we started just kind of talking about it, just kind of playing around with the idea of it. And we met with her and we said, you know, just you so how do you do it? You know, give us more information. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of did, and then we just did it. Yeah. Just yeah. got a microphone and got the, the first sound case is bedroom down the bed and huddled <laughs> up together and spoken to one little baby microphone like this <laughs> and uh it's something fun and different for us to do and you like to have your hands in different things and do different things we do too we've been doing uh-huh. cooking classes for so long we love them we still love them very much but you just want to do something different you know and it's just a different avenue for us too and we can just kind of play her and then um we can just talk and we can just um uh, let's see right now. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of why I started mine. I, I, I started mine more because I want to talk to people and pick their brains and, you know, ask them questions and, uh, explore how people started. Like, you know, when I first started mine, I started asking people to be on, I was shocked that people 
did not even knowing who I was or, you know, just starting a podcast that are agreeing to come on my podcast. Oh, I had yeah. people like, like Meathead Goldwyn from Amazing Ribs and, you know, Stephen Reichlin, you know, people that have been around for a while that are big in their industries or go, yeah, sure. I'll come on. And it's like, you don't even know who I am. <laughs> I yeah. just started. I got like 10 listeners and they're like, yeah. who cares? But yeah. you know, people, they like to, they're promoting themselves and they're, you know, they started small too. So, but I, but I found, I really like talking to people like that to find out where they started, how they started, uh, especially people like Kenji, you know, where, so people can understand you don't have to be some specially trained, you know, French chef that has to study in Paris to, to be a, a world renowned chef. You know, you could, you know, work part-time in a restaurant, fall in love with cooking and then throw your passion into it and, and write the food lab, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so. I'm a big fan of uh, Kenji. I, I, I love his stuff. Well, even yeah. like our podcast relates to our cooking classes and our cooking classes, we want people, we're trying to teach, we're not trying to show them what Candace can do. Like, woo, right. what yeah. Candace can do. We're trying to no, teach yeah. people to help them cook more at home, feel more comfortable at home. Our podcast is the same thing. It's yeah. a little looser, but it's for those people that want to learn how to cook at home, take the intimidation out of it know that we're real people too and we screw up and things get caught on fire and you know stuff happens and it's okay keep yeah. going like if you want to keep going keep going yeah yeah i think that's kind of why i did it because i can bring these people down that people like i did i'd look up to them and go wow i can't believe stephen reichland's on here but he's just a regular guy just like yeah. me and you he yeah. started doing it the same way i did you know he just found a passion, loved it and started sharing it with people. So, uh, you know, so me being able to bring people, those people down and some people can understand, wow, you know, this guy's just a regular guy. He's not, yeah. wasn't, you know, somebody that was born to be a world-class chef, you know? So yeah, yeah the, 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 the podcast is fun. The podcast is fun. I'm sure you have a good time on yours too. But oh, yeah. yeah and, and part of, part of what we say in our, in our mission, and then all, it's kind of a mantra is that we want, real people cooking real food. And so in our podcast, we just, you know, capitalize on that. And we introduce you to real people and that, you know, anybody can do what they do. What's in the future for you guys? Are you going to can just grow your, your cooking classes? Uh, do you see yourselves doing more of those? Uh, what, what do you see you guys doing in the future? We have for better or for worse, created kind of a monster in our cooking studio because we have a particular style that we um, have for teaching class. And it's kind of a dog and pony show. And we frankly haven't been able to find anyone who can, you know, to live up to our expectations <laughs> for our cooking classes. And franchising. And we thought about, you know, growing outwards in that way. Right. And that's so it's, it's, a, it's not, a big struggle. It's a big struggle. It's a big struggle. And it took us, what, like three or four years to find a kids instructor. And and we finally have a gal who just does an amazing job. She Talk about the uh, repeat customers. She has a lot of those. So um, we probably are as big as we can get with our cooking school, I'm, I'm guessing. Well, there's something else we've added that, that we added again during the pandemic, but we're continuing, which is new for us, is we're doing a Facebook Live cook-along once a month from Candace's Kitchen at her house. So people can just tune in on Facebook Live. 
they can go shopping. They have a list of everything they need to get beforehand. Um, and again, before it was so they didn't have to, you know, leave their house right, and come right. to class. And now it's just, you know, some people just yeah. don't want to go and do stuff and that's fine. And it's a convenience factor and you can be, you know, naked. You can be in your pajamas. We can't see you. <laughs> yeah. We, we don't along with us. And, yeah, right. and, you, and you don't have to cook. You can just watch and ask questions and drink because that's what a lot of people do. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so we so we do those once a month. Um, yeah, and we have played around with the idea of a restaurant. We have, even restaurant. though we we said we said never, years ago we'll never do this again. It's so yeah. hard. I mean, you know that anybody that's been yeah. in that world knows it's not a cakewalk. It's not glamorous. It's not all this other stuff that you see on TV. No. It's real no. work, and it's hard to find people that want to really work. It's not just about having great food. You got to watch the people that are working for you. You got to watch, you know, cost controls and food and people just don't understand. The more menu items you have on a menu in a restaurant, the more cost it's going to be, more waste you have, the more, uh, more things you got to try to make out of it. Yes, (laughs) exactly. It's very, very, you know, you go to a restaurant and they've got 562 items on their menu. You know, they're losing money. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I do a lot of cooking with barbecue and, and sous vide and mixing them together. Do you guys ever use sous vide at all in your cooking classes or do you teach any barbecue or grilling classes at all? Or is it strictly traditional type, you know, Italian or uh, we teach a lot of, we teach a lot of grilling a lot, hopefully um, because we have a lot of people. Well, I mean, Oklahoma is kind of the land of meat and potatoes and, Mm -hmm. We've, so we do a lot of state classes and I'm always surprised by the number of people who, in spite of grilling at home and thinking that they're really good at it, they know so little about how to really do it. So their food tastes delicious. Mm-hmm. So, so we do a lot of grilling we do a little bit of barbecue, not a lot because it's time consuming and, right. um, you know, we have a limited, limited time period. And also, um, I think people can only pay attention for so long because <laughs> some of our get, I don't know what they clients, are, clients, clients, clientele are just out for a fun night out. Like they just want right. to come and hang out and have a few drinks and maybe they'll learn something. Yeah. Maybe they won't. They're just out to do something yeah. fun. So yeah. yeah, we've got to kind of hone in on that too. But the sous vide, we don't do everybody has their own individual station. Um, and they, it's all hands-on in our classes. Mm-hmm. So that would be a, um, yeah. And that can yeah. be time consuming as well. You know, I know I have friends of mine that teach sous vide classes and a lot of stuff has to be prepared ahead of time. Oh yeah. Because, You'd have yeah, to, you would have because, to. You can't, you don't have four hours for, you know, to wait for a chicken to get done and cooking in the sous vide. So. No. No. <laughs> yeah. And we have a hard enough time when they're waiting for things to saute that they right. don't start messing around with everything on their tabletop. Yeah. So yeah. Or so reducing, that would be, yeah. Trying to reduce a sauce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't yeah, just take five minutes to reduce a sauce. All right. No, they want it to take one minute. <laughs> yeah. This isn't a TV show where you can cut to a commercial yeah, and come so back and it, my sauce yeah. is ready. This yeah. here's one we prepared earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take it out of the oven. Here it is. Well, exactly. <laughs> well I want to thank you guys for being on. It's been fun and uh, hopefully you guys will continue to grow and hopefully this uh, pandemic goes away, you know, 
uh, since all these everybody's getting vaccinated now and you can get back to getting full classes are you back to doing full classes now or are you still kind of limiting we're the number? we're 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 slowly moving in that direction so little by little we're we're getting there we we've increased um our date nights uh, a little bit and then we look at the classes and see if we because we have a limit we have eight tables and we can't put strangers together like we used to. So we have to really watch that kind of thing. So um, we're we're slowly but surely increasing back up to where we were, but we're not in a we're not in a rush to do it. Things are working well now. So um, we'll but we'll get there. We'll get there. Great. Well, I appreciate you guys being on and I'll make sure that everybody has your links uh, to your website and everything in the description below. But it is uh, the name of your website is thegirlcancookschool.com. So if you want to find out anything about Candace and Natalia, you can find it there. And you can also, the, the a podcast is called Not a Single Fork. And you can find that in any podcast, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google, um, Spotify, all those places. And I'll put a link to that in the description as well. But I want to thank you guys for being on. Anything else you want to talk about before we go? I think we. We're pretty well covered. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I appreciate you being on. Thanks for being on. And I uh, hope you guys have a great uh, rest of your day. Thanks a lot, Darren. We appreciate it. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for joining us, guys. I hope you enjoyed that. Check out thegirlcancookschool.com to find out more about the cooking classes. And you can also check out Not a Single Fork podcast anywhere you find podcasts thanks for joining us make sure you like subscribe share follow us on facebook instagram make sure you join us again on the next fire and water cooking podcast i'll see you on the next one